Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. She is a director. I've been watching one of the sh- her handiwork today. Man, Swagger, it's an intense episode, and she kills it. And we don't talk enough about the directors. We don't talk enough about what they do. Let me welcome Ms. Najla. Najla Mumin. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know you were going to come in earlier, but you were out on the picket line. Yes. Talk talk about the climate. What is happening? (laughs) Well, now it's, it's so hot. You know, I'm in LA. I was out and at the Disney uh, lot today. And now, you know, we have SAG on strike as well as the Writers Guild. I'm in the Writers Guild and and in the Directors Guild. So I've been out there since the beginning of the strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, it's getting really intense. The, the heat and just the, the exhaustion a lot of people are feeling. People's lives are being really impacted by not having work. Like it's, it's getting, you know, very intense, I will say. Um, so do you feel I like there's it, do you feel yeah. like there's going to be any insight? Because I, I feel like the the studio uh, execs are um, letting y'all know who has the money and the power. And they are they I don't feel like, you know, when you think when you see Reed Hastings put out or Netflix put out an ad for a job where the starting salary mm. is three hundred thousand up to nine hundred thousand to produce AI generated uh tv shows for netflix it's they're playing they're they're playing they're playing a a game for keeps. yeah no it's really scary um i've heard different things about when this is going to end i've heard october december like i've just i don't know for sure i we're just hoping and praying that especially for you know a lot of writers of color black writers women like this is a scary time you know a lot of our shows you know, we don't want those shows to disappear. We don't want our all the movement we've made to just, you know, go away. Um, so it's really important, like with the show Swagger, like we, we have to promote it like ourselves right now and show that, you know, our voices are, are, are important. So, yeah. Before we get into Swagger, as you're talking, I'm thinking... I remember girlfriends and living color and living, living single Martin, all of these shows that helped build the network built uh, Fox literally built on the backs of black folk. Right. And then when they got the numbers up, they got rid of the shows. And I'm like, we are now seeing everything from Watchmen, Lovecraft country, you know, down the lot P Valley. I mean, they've been some like, boom, 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 like every turn, even, you know, they, they clone Tyrone, like some real out of, out of this world kind of, content is being produced by people Jordan Peele doing stuff like there's a lot of good content from creatives that didn't have an opportunity because of all the streaming platforms and now I feel like they're 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 taking back their power because we we've always black folk generated money for these studios based on our 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 buying habits and our eyeballs and algorithms but now I feel like they they feel threatened enough to take it back because they can I don't know if that is I don't know if this is by design it feels personal yeah, it feels it feels like we've entered a new realm, I think, where like like art is not as valued. Um, it's mm. more looked at as a commodity or as content or just something. But I think the craft of writing and of like creating art is not respected in the same way by a lot of these people in the higher positions. 
Um, and there's like this assembly line mentality um, that is kind of, you know, impacting our work. So I think, you know, it definitely feels like it's, it's getting into a, a space of bitterness and, and just like a really unhealthy space where you wonder why anyone would want writers and actors and creators to be suffering, but it just, you know, just we're in, you know, the 85th day or whatever of the strike and still, you know, not really knowing what's going to happen is very telling. It's I weird think. too, because like the AI can't make swagger. No. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to make the stuff that, that human beings that have lived these experiences are making. Is And also it's not ready yet. So they want to hire people to create AI content and then they're going to try to hire writers to go back and curate the content to make it palpable for the audience, which means that you really didn't write it, you know? So it feels like it's a, a lot of this stuff to me just feels like threats from these rich people. And right. um, they, and they want us to be scared and they want us to, to feel like the audience would accept these changes. But I think it's just like, if you change the formula for Coke, people going to notice the difference and be like, I, what is this? I don't want this. I don't want to pay for your service anymore. Um, so that's how it's feeling to me anyway. Like it's a big threat, you know? So, so yeah. for, for, but for both of you who are, who are literally experiencing it and, and are out of work because of it, um, ha has industry wide has, what's the conversation about as far as backup plan and in, 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 in case these evil, rich evil doers drag it out and really, you, you know, put you in a position where people are losing homes and 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 having to relocate. What what's the backup industry wide, or is there one? Well, um, I'm, I, oh. <laughs> I'm hoping it won't come to that. But um, I have been doing other work. I've been teaching. I have like a teaching background. Uh, after school teacher. I teach uh, screenwriting workshops. I've been doing screenwriting consulting. Um, I also write for different publications, which I used to do a lot more freelance writing. So I'm going to get back into that. You know, I'm just trying to do anything I can to stay creatively inspired and active and help people. But I'm just hoping it won't get to the point where we're just like, oh, we have to find a whole new career. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, but for right now, we do have to make money. So, however, there's also music video directing, there's commercials, but that's a whole other oh, world and you don't right. make that much money in directing music videos. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's just a lot you have to think about right now. As for, for me, I think uh, what these super rich people that's never really worked for nothing in their life mm -hmm. don't understand we was already under the line for most of us. Mm. We not making the money people think we making. So exactly. we got other jobs. So like, while they're like, we going to break you. It's like, how you going to break somebody that's broke dog? Mm. Oh, I guess I'll eat two oodles of noodles this week. You know, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it's weird know. that they think in an industry where like with the set, with the actors, like 90% of the people working as actors don't qualify for the insurance. So they not really working actors in a way where they can trust acting money to pay for their needs. Same thing with being a writer. I make $70,000 and I got to make that stretch a whole year and hope I get another season, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and I'm a fortunate one that was able to get two seasons out of something. So mm -hmm. you got so many people that didn't even do that. And everybody I worked with 
had another gig. They was comedians. They were uh, writing playwrights. Like these people are super talented and waiters. Like you got to be a lot of different things at the same time. Everybody in these guilds is a multi-hyphenate. It might not be multi-hyphenate like director, actor, this. They might be multi-hyphenate like cook waiter and writer because that's just the way it is so mm. i think they got something else in in store for them because they think that they're gonna break everybody and everybody's gonna be like oh no my writing money or my acting money but there's a lot of people that's like i wasn't depending on your money the whole time so either when y'all run out of content and the people start canceling their subscriptions and your stockholders are looking at them numbers y'all gonna feel a type of pressure that we've been living with the whole time now, so okay, but to that point, that that's individual. Is is there something industry wide, some type of, you know, we could come together and pull the plug on something, or, or some type of blockade where where, uh, um, you know, there's how there's do you a make them feel? You have yeah. to make them not, feel the yeah, pain. The, yeah, I think the so the union for the, I know the Writers Guild anyway. They do have like certain things they haven't done yet that I think they oh, could. Okay. Like they're not calling for boycotts yet. Okay, yeah, um, which they easily could. Um, there's of course like backup funding and stuff that they have like for people of need that so that so that like just because like some director might have a million dollars or some actor might have a million dollars there's people that don't have that and so there's mm -hmm. also like ways you can ask for like hardship funds and stuff yeah. too and, and Courtney but, B. Vance is the uh, presides over that and The Rock just gave a million uh, ten, seven figures uh, they didn't say the how rock. much oh seven yeah figures. ten I was gave, guessing ten yeah no he just gave uh, seven figures to the fund to to cover the yeah. hardships to to Rod's point uh, 866-801-8255 Roderick Morrow is here Lamont King is here and Nijla Nijla. 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 Oh my yeah. gosh, what is wrong with me? Nijla Mumin is here. Um, how do you become a director? I know there's a lot of people listening right now. Uh, and let me just say your your directing of this episode of Swagger, I can see there's there's a touch to it, you know, from the opening with the running of the hills, the the two, you know, the two uh main characters, to the tension between them two, to the court scene. It, you, like you got a touch. I see you. I see you. Talk about how you got into this. Yes. Well, it's been a, a lifelong journey. I grew up in uh, the Bay Area around Oakland. And from a young age, I knew I wanted to be an artist. I didn't know what kind of artist I wanted to be, but I grew up watching like Love and Basketball, um, all the love stories. I read a lot of novels, like contemporary Black fiction that had love stories. I wrote poetry. I love dancing. I love singing. I love going to movies. I, I saw Malcolm X when I was small, when I was younger, and it really had an impact on me. So I think I just always loved um, telling stories about people, about complicated um, individuals, about Black girls and women who are, you know, struggling to define who they are, who are complicated. And once I got to college at UC Berkeley, I started to take it very seriously that I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I got out there and I just started directing short films, teaching myself. Um, I went to film school and I just got on the grind of like, you know, learning to direct um, through going to film school and then also just building a community around myself in LA, a black indie film community. 
and working with actors who I respected, honing my skills in uh, kind of dramatic tension and love, um, love, family. Those were themes that like I really cared about. So a lot of my projects um, really center on characters in relationships or in family relationships or romantic relationships. Um, I had a feature film I wrote and directed uh, called Jen that was uh, released in 2018, and that won a screenwriting award at South by Southwest. And that's how I ended up being able to write and direct for television. Um, and, you know, I'm here now. So it's really just been a lifelong um, dream to shape drama and to make people feel and laugh and cry. I really care about actors. I care about stories and like I care about representing Black women and Black people in, in our complexity. And so everything I do as a director and a writer is in service of that type of complex, flawed, beautiful representation. I'm asking and thank you. Uh, how did you get so did Reggie buy the wood do you have like friends like how did how did this script come across your your, I mean does it come in your inbox do you have an agent like how like what's the process of getting a show like Swagger which is so well done by the way it's just well done I don't know how what the ratings are like I don't know whether other people are watching it but I I really enjoy all of the relationship development of the characters even even uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah, he's, he's great. Really really <laughs> yeah, so Swagger came. His father's a whole ass different. <laughs> um, Swagger came to me through. Um, I had directed, like I said, I directed a feature film called Jen, which is a coming of age story about a black Muslim teenager falling in love. And Reggie saw that film and said, I want her to be in my writer's room. I had never done TV before. Uh, well, I had I never written for TV. I had directed for TV. I directed Queen Sugar and Insecure, mm. but I had never written for TV and uh, got in the writer's room. Season one, I wrote and directed for season one. All right, which which episodes? Uh, six. Yeah, season one. Yeah, season one. Uh, May's episode six, which is a similar kind of love family episode and then and wait season- wait and Najla for people who don't know there's a Muslim coach and his son and there's like prayer and you know yeah. the, the wearing of the I forgot what is it the, called the a kufi yeah, yeah. There's, and there's like this kind of like the kid is going through do I do I believe in this and some stuff yeah. is happening I'm like even those little nuances did you have something to do with that because I yes. feel like you're, that's, you're that's Muslim. Right. yes yes, yes. yes. I, I grew up Yeah, I grew up in a Muslim community. My dad is a Muslim, a devout Muslim. So that informs a lot of my storytelling. And Reggie really wanted to have, you know, Black Muslims represented in the show. Mm. And, you know, he already had those characters, you know, Musa and his father, um, Coach, oh my God, why am I forgetting? And Coach Naeem. And... I help to shape those characters um, for the story. Just That's add nice. the authenticity, which, you know, is so important. We talk about what we're, we could risk losing, you know, through this. It's like, we need writers in the writer's room and directors who are telling these stories that can infuse truth into these stories, you know? So I was able to- uh, Artificial intelligence can't do that. No. no. A Muslim one can. 
<laughs> a Muslim AI? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that even Chat look GPT like? Chat GPT. Salat GPT. I like that. <laughs> Chat GP Mohammed. All right. Yeah. So uh, it's Friday. Najla, uh, we should have had you on another day. Najla Mumin is here. Yeah, because she's like, she came in initially. She looked at like, what is happening on this show? You know, we have this conversation. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I just came in from picketing and I was just like Yeah, riled up. She yeah, this, riled up. Yeah, yeah, she was like, This ain't what I expected. I thought yeah. this was gonna, you know, it's gonna be a different guy. Yeah, this is Friday. It's Friday. We let our hair down a lot. because, uh, you know, Monday through Thursday is is stressful. But you guys are out there and I wanted to spend time, you know, kinda paying homage to the work that you put in and, and people just watch things. I feel like we watch things without understanding how to how the thing is made. And we should understand and respect all of the elements that go into the things that we enjoy. So, yes, directing versus writing. Is it, is it one into the next? Can you be a great director if you don't know how to write? Like, I feel like you can't be a great writer unless you read. I feel like writing and reading go hand in hand. If you are not a reader, you, you're not going to be a great writer. What's the correlation between writing and directing? For me, they're, they are merged. And definitely, I, I'm a writer first. And... For me, like getting a script, like the script for this episode of of Swagger was so detailed and written with such care and love that I was, as a director, I was able to receive that and, and bring my vision into it. Like I love the intention behind the writing that, you know, you have to do when, you, when you're writing a script for TV or film. For me, like my scripts, a lot of times, I have all the little beats, all of the nuances are in the scripts. And then it's just time to, you know, direct it and, and, and have the actors bring it to life or, or change things. But I think it's really important as a director to have a love for writing. Or if you don't write, just read scripts, uh, have friends who are writers, really just develop that that kind of love for it because it really like on the page that is where the beauty starts like that's where the ideas spring from and without that like it's you know you're not going to have anything so I think it's a a really beautiful relationship between uh the writer uh and the director or if you're both that's great too does it matter if you can relate to the story does mm-hmm. <laughs> I, but but I think it's beautiful when people tell stories that are different from their experience and they go on a journey of learning mm-hmm. of learning the the world like if I want to tell a story about a surgeon or about a, a doctor or something I'm going to interview doctors I'm going to put myself in that world to learn so I can write for this medical show you know like for swagger I'm not a basketball player right then that's what I'm saying like is there somebody in the room like nah we don't talk like that yes in the back in swagger the room was filled with former basketball players Mm. coaches there was a Pulitzer Prize award-winning sports journalist in there there's Reggie Bifield who's a you know they're basketball sports people Gina Prince Bythewood who was his wife who directed Mm. Love and Basketball so the room is stacked with Ah. 
I see. Okay. Because those are the elements. I'm like, this is, so it's loosely based on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, I think is Mm -hmm. one of the producers of Swagger. His mama's in one of the episodes early Mm -hmm. on season three, you know, we see his mother, his real mother. Um, And it follows this, this kid from the DMV, uh, Jace Carson, who I think, is he a real basketball player? Is he? Cause I think at some point, yeah, Yeah. at some point. Yeah. 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 Uh, And, and Kavajane, uh, Wallace, uh, who was Annie at some point, or yeah, yeah. and she's all grown up, and um, and and some things happen to her, and some things happen between them, and it's so layered. His mama, you know, mm-hmm. typically, you know, you get to see the mothers and and the coaches and the relationships of the clubs, these club teams that usually have more power even than the actual schools, and you know oh, that absolutely. whole yeah, that whole yeah. energy around some of the, your your favorite stars have come up through. These spaces, mm-hmm. you know, Carmelo and them, you know, used to, play, you know, back in the day. All of, yes. Yeah. yeah. So this is this this show is and, but it's not really about basketball and it's absolutely about basketball. You know, yes, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Um, season three has not been confirmed. How will this strike impact whether there will be a season three? Well, the beautiful thing is, is that we have gotten so much love online. Like if you go on Twitter and Instagram, on TikTok, I mean, the audience has grown for this show, especially with season two. Like, I mean, my phone is blowing up constantly from just this episode. So we're thinking and the the numbers are really good. Like we're in the top shows on Apple. So even though it is the strike, we as we just kept the momentum going as a team, you know, and hopefully we're hoping that it'll turn to season three. I don't see how this couldn't get it. I know with the strike, a lot of shows have been canceled, even shows that were doing well. So we can't control that. But I just, I really think that this will be, a, there will be a season three just because of how much love that now- the show to 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 your earlier point, uh, I think the kudos to the alternative marketing that's being done because when it first came came out, it was like, "Yo, this is Kevin this is about Kevin Durant." I was like, oh, "Okay, I, I I lived through that. I remember that. I'll, I'll get around to it." Then somebody else was like, uh, "You you seen Swagger?" I was like, "No, I get around to it." Like three or four times, and Karen had it on on one of her uh, what to watch list. I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna watch that. That's I'm from the area, so I'm I'm gonna recognize half the shit anyway." So I never I was BSing. But then on on Twitter, I mean, on Instagram, TikTok, I saw somebody post a video of how the camera shots are done. Oh, yes. With the with the cameraman on roller skates. Roller and I said and I'm looking, I said, well, what show is that? And yeah, then that, go, that went viral. And then now I'm like, no, I have to watch it. So yeah. so to your point, you know, other ways of marketing oh, um, that that really works. That really and an AI can't get on the roller skates. Yeah. Yeah. No. no, I mean it's so much care and intention. Yeah. Like that roller skating on wheel on camera on roller skates. Uh, John Like is that camera operator. I mean that video just went yeah. worldwide, and we yeah. now the momentum has increased. There on TikTok, there's all these people who just love Jace, Jason Crystal, the two. Yeah and they're making these video edits of them and it's it's just like reached a point of like wow like total fandom Mm -hmm. so I think now it's you know we're in that realm whereas in season one I feel like we weren't promoted enough and Mm -hmm. not enough people about it but this season two like it's found its audience and you know that's all you can wish for I think with a tv show Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. We're here. We're here with Najla Mumin. She is a director on a bunch of stuff. But uh, uh, actually, this is, your, this is not your directorial debut. As you mentioned, you, you directed wow. some Queen Sugar and some other things. Uh, she's also a writer uh, yeah. Yeah, on, on Swagger, which is on Apple TV, which apparently Lamont didn't care about until he saw it on TikTok, even though I've been talking about it. But I, I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that over here. I'll leave, leave it over here. Uh, Lamont, where's that hill that, that Jace in, in season one, his mom has him out running up this hill. I, I didn't see it. Shape. So I don't, I don't know. What do they, where do they say it was? No, I'm I'll you, tell wait, you if it's real said, or not. You watch the show. No, I said, not, I haven't yet. I, okay. I, said, I haven't yet. You still yeah, haven't watched it. Yeah. I just saw the clip like two okay. days ago. Oh, I saw the clip two watched. days ago. All right. And I was watching the rest of your list. <laughs> All and right. I was never trying mind. To no, yeah, sure. Whatever. All right. So Nasla's not from the area, but this is Hills. Is that a real, is it shoot, is it shot in, um, in the DMV or is it shot on a on a on a studio? You can't tell us. Oh, look, she's like, okay, don't tell me. But no, it's shot like on location. A lot of it, okay, um, and definitely captures. I've used to live in DC and uh, Maryland, so I okay. think it definitely, right. yeah, it's shot in that world. And, and and finally, last last episode before this one, John Carlos from from the Olympics who put the Black Power fist up. They you you take the kids to jail. Uh, to play in a in a exhibition game against kids in a juvenile detention facility who could have been that was so I mean it was so dope to watch yeah. kids that could have been stars who got hemmed up in the system but that they were just kids doing 16 15 17 year old things and now their whole careers and lives have been basically ruined and the and the the potential of these you know, Jace and his and his uh, compadres, his teammates, also being in that same position, that back and forth was really amazing. Did you have anything to do with that, Najla? Were you were you on oh, set for that? No, I I didn't write or uh, Reggie Rock Bythewood, the showrunner. Okay, he did do that. that. He wrote it um, with another writer, um, Raquel, and I I thought I, that had me in tears. Mm. And a big thing with the show, Reggie always says, is the question we ask is. How do we treat our children? And so that question is what really we think about with each episode. And that one, too, it's like, you know, these are human beings and they purposely didn't say, oh, what these kids are in this detention center for. We just get to know them as people and that, you know, they deserve a chance just like everyone else. So I, I think it was mm. such a beautiful um, episode. I, I loved it. Yeah, I I got on Dr. J today for, you know, saying Kevin Durant because of the way he's moving, the way a lot of superstars are moving. They're like the the prisoners are taking over, you know, and I'm like, you you cannot refer to these these venerable, amazing black men as prisoners, Dr. J. You can't do that. You just can't Mm -hmm. do that. And the intentionality with swagger in centering these children, these young people, these young men, these young women as humans first. I think is a must watch just by the way in which they're handling the coming of age. As Jace got up in court and said, I was 14. I did something at 14. I did something at 14, you know, and it was just sat, it just sat in a ring, you know, it's like I was 14 when I did this because you wouldn't protect this young girl. Cause we're not protected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a big theme too. It's like, Black women and Black girls not being protected, not feeling seen. And in my episode, you have several Black women and girl characters who are like wanting to feel seen or feeling seen for who they are in all their, you know, complexity. So 
I just think that's so important to show like in anything that I work on. Well, I'm gonna need you to keep working. So however we yes, can support, <laughs> um, let us know how all of us can support. What do we need to do to help support what's going on out there right now uh, with the strike, with the writer strike, the actor strike? Is there something that this audience that we can do to make it easier or better or to help end it? Yeah, it's, I, I would say, I don't think that like just totally not watching shows or films is the answer because like we say, like a film like They Clone Tyrone or just a show like Swagger, we need, we need you. So <laughs> we need to show these people that like these, like we need these stories, um, you know, the picket line, if you're in New York City or LA, if you want to come out and picket, there's mm. people from all walks of life picketing with us. Mm. Um, I know there are funds if you want to donate. A lot of writers and actors are really struggling. Like a lot, most of us are not A-list. We are not Tom Cruise, whatever. Like we are just regular people. Like, you know, Rod said, like we have to go to our job at the restaurant or something. So I think there's little mutual aid funds or something to help us, but just like supporting us and, and really hearing our fight. And it's bigger than just, you know, oh, you know, we're not complaining. This is like human rights. Like everyone deserves a fair wage and to be treated respectfully. So. Amen. Amen. Uh, Reggie or uh, rock by the wood. I call him by the wood. Uh, mm -hmm. Just tweeted, you know, because someone was tweeting about this. Uh, he said a lot of love went into shaping these characters. Thank you so much for tapping in. So he's he's uh, engaging in the conversation that we're having right now, which is nice. Uh, and uh, I pray you get a season three and stay in touch with us. Let's let's keep this going. Next show, next show. We got you. We got you. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Like I feel so good. So thank well, you all. My pleasure. And you guys can follow uh, Najla at N-I-J-L-A-1 at N-I-J-L-A-1 on the Twitters. Are you on Instagram as well? Yes, the same, the same. Okay. Perfect. On Perfect. Najla Mumin, y'all. She's amazing. We should be following directors and writers and not just actors. And we should be putting them on, on pedestals because none of the acting happens without them. So thank you again for being here. I appreciate you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.